Hello and welcome to Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma, and today we have a special guest back. So I believe you're our first returning guest, Alexander Minette. Uh, he's a developer with a very fantastic, I think, uh, looking and useful uh, budgeting app. So I believe our last episode was about budgeting with Flutter. I can't remember the exact name, um, but I believe that's right. So we don't really need to go too much into an introduction about yourself. I think we can just skip right to the meat, right? So the reason that I brought you back is because I think that uh, all the automation that you've done for your app is uh, really fascinating, right? So of course, we're going to talk first about the automated testing because uh, I don't really know how it is in Flutter, but I usually come from like Ruby and uh, Elixir, same as you, right? And in, in those languages, we do a lot of testing. Testing is really, really important. But I think in Flutter, testing is a little bit more secondary than anything else. I mean, a testing framework, I think it's still pretty good. Like, so if we talk about XUnit, I think it's on the same level to a certain extent. Like, you don't have to bring in something else. You can just use the default uh, for the most part. But uh, I'd like to hear more about how you test because people have been asking me how, how to test, right? Do you actually test your your models with unit testing? Do you do like full like end-to-end -end testing? Uh, maybe you can just go ahead and, and start. Yeah, um, yeah. On my case, I also kind of the same background. Uh, I come from a Ruby Ruby background where testing is uh, yeah, kind of central to the culture of uh, programming there, and uh, I wanted to replicate that in uh, in Flutter. Um, Flutter doesn't have as much, uh, I think, testing culture as in Ruby, um, especially like uh, compared to R spec, which is for me the gold standard of the industry. Uh, with which is the be absolutely the best you can you can do, but um, Flutter does have um, kind of a nice um, um, kind of built-in library for doing testing uh, as a, like automated testing and um, uh, like unit testing. So it can do kind of wide range of uh, of different kind of tests. I wanted to have my app very well tested because budgeting is very important to have to be bug-free. Uh, there's a lot of bugs which can, can happen, like uh, there's floating bugs, for example, where uh, you just divide uh, and then it's not uh, rounded properly and then you have bugs. Uh, there's um, layout issues, there's uh, like um, just even like summary of the, the, all, the, all the budgeting uh, you have. Like, everything needs to be pretty perfect and uh, you don't want to update your budgeting app and have all the budget change for some reason. So all of this is very important to me. Um, I've, I've, I'm also using this test to upgrade uh, Flutter uh, painlessly. Uh, I just upgrade Flutter and if all the tests are running, it, I'm pretty sure that everything's um, working properly. Yeah. Um, I think we can go straight to the mid uh, of it and just uh, show, show off uh, all the testing stuff. Uh, oh. So this is uh, this is uh, all my code, yeah, uh, for the budgeting app. I've also been running all the tests just before the show to, to make sure everything's running properly, but everything runs properly. Uh, these these tests I have uh, with Flutter tests are also running on uh, on GitHub. Um, this is something I've not mentioned last time, but um, I have some uh, GitHub GitHub workflow uh, which is which are running the tests here. So as soon as I do uh, git commit and git push, uh, all the tests are, are running directly on GitHub. This is also pretty useful to discover like uh, 
bugs where some tests might be running properly locally and then it just doesn't run uh, on uh, on uh, some uh, automated uh, platform. Yeah. So all the tests are here. Uh, I have a good collection of um, any kind of tests you can think of. So um, I have database tests uh, we can see here, for example. Um, so here, for example, I calculate, this is kind of what you think about um, budgeting. So calculating the balance, uh, which is the most like um, uh, stereotypical test you can think of in a budgeting app, yeah. Um, but I also have uh, like goldens uh, where uh, the widgets are rendered and then it's being compared to uh, the default image. And this is this is especially useful on uh, like uh, Flutter upgrades or similar similar stuff to make sure everything is being rendered properly. Um, I have um, keyboard tests uh, because um, the budgeting app has also a custom keyboard to handle zeros. Um, like um, oh, I'm gonna run the app in parallel, so whenever I want to talk about something, I can show it. Um, the, the app has some custom keyboard, yeah, so whenever you're using, um, like, the uh, expense feature and you, you just tap, uh, you, you have uh, multiple, um, multiple digits and then you have spaces between them and all the test text selection is uh, done uh, manually, yeah, because there's nothing uh, by default in Flutter to handle this. So all of this needs to be tested to make sure that... Uh, if I click in the middle, if I tap, sorry, in the middle of um, like um, a very long uh, uh, digit, um, like number with some space in the middle, and I delete one in the middle, that doesn't delete the space, that deletes the number just after, yeah. So all of this is tested, yeah. Um, I have a pretty good coverage. I have, I think, about 70% coverage on the app, yeah. Uh, and the tests uh, are running in like three minutes. I Actually, it says here two two minutes per day. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's kind of okay. Uh, good enough to, to, to be usable. Yeah. Um, what library are you using to actually run your test coverage? Is that something that you can get default out of the Flutter SDK? Yeah, I'm using the default Flutter, uh, testing framework. I've also, I'm also using uh, another library for the Goldens because the default Golden library doesn't handle custom fonts. Or at least it wasn't in the past when uh, I've uh, started to build my tests. Uh, I'm also using uh, some um, SQLite library to handle uh, to handle SQLite uh, on the testing part, because uh, on the device is using the default SQLite, but on your computer you need to use the system SQLite. Um, so you need a library to handle the the SQLite part for the tests. Yeah. Uh, so this is what I'm using, and I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, I think anything else is uh, is using the built-in uh, test uh, framework. Uh, it, yeah. I'm thinking. Do you? I mean, uh, maybe I missed this, but do you say you actually run? I mean, because looks like you're testing like everything, right? So you do have some unit yeah. testing. You have. You also have some actual testing where you're hitting like a keyboard, right? To test a custom keyboard that you made. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. You. you yeah, you wanted to talk about the widgets ones. Uh, so I think widget testing is something that a lot of people struggle with. Even I struggle with like how to do widget testing. To me, uh, unit testing is pretty straightforward. But I think widget testing, like, you know, how to get, should I start adding keys to elements if I want to get to them just so I can test them? Like, that's a kind of a question that I wonder about sometimes because I want to get to certain things and I don't know if I should, 
you know, just add a key to make it easier or not? Yeah, usually I um I add a key as a last resort. Um, it's there's been a few times where I need to add a key, but usually, uh, so this is for example the like uh, this uh, this test is for example the the main the like one of the biggest um uh like widget tests. So this is trans a transaction add test. So what I'm doing in uh, in uh, this test is uh, I'm opening a transaction and uh, I'm filling up all the details and I created it. Yeah. So here you need to have a lot of clicks, uh, clicking on the on the sum uh, to handle the, the money, then clicking on the categories, uh, then clicking on the dates, and then uh, clicking submit at the end to make sure all the form is done. It's like basically a form test. Um, so how I do it generally is I use uh, find by type uh, because uh, all the widgets are custom in the app. Uh, so I also have a currency input, uh, a date input, and a category input. And so all these inputs are different different types in the code. So this is pretty useful to to, to as a as a kind of filter to to tap directly on it. I can find the currency input, tap here, and uh, type uh, 400 in it. So it means that uh, it's gonna put 400 on top. And then I can verify that the form is uh, is valid, yeah. Um, in, um, yeah, not this one, but yeah, I think this one, yeah. this one validates as well. Yeah, uh, so this is the edit, for example, an edit test. So same, you just open a transaction, you just tap, you just change the, the fields you want and it works that way. I also found that uh, widget testing uh, needs to be pretty, uh, like needs to have a pretty limited definition. Like when you do, the problem, main problem when you do widget testing is you want to test everything. For example, in this uh, in this app um, uh, on my widget here, uh, so let's let's open it um, and open the the screen associated to it here. So this screen I'm testing has a lot of widgets here. It has the, the currency, the description, the category. But um, some widgets are also redirecting to another page. You see, for example, here the category, and uh, I don't necessarily want to test uh, all of this. Uh, I prefer to test the category widget by itself and then test the expense widget uh, in another way. Uh, I think the scope the scope of the of a widget needs to be kind of defined uh, because usually the main issue with uh, widget testing is that uh, you, you tend to test too much things at once. Yeah? You tend to tend to test too much things at once. So like usually what I would do is either I would pre-fill the, um, the category I want or I would just mock it. Um, I think there's a few places where I just mock the widget to return directly what I want, yeah. Um, so this way I can, in one file, test only the logic of the form and then in another file, test the category by itself, yeah. And you also actually run tests and compare these with an image of what it should look like, right? Yeah, exactly. So here you see okay, all because somebody just asked in the chat. Actually, they want to know more about that. And I also mentioned quite interested in that. So I, I do remember you told me about this. Yeah. So maybe you could talk more about how this actually works because this does remind me of like React. I think React has something where like you render a widget, you render uh, some code, and then you can compare it directly if it renders on text. 
So yep. now you can compare which it looks like on the screen versus a picture which was also rendered? Yeah, so the built-in so the built library for doing Goldens is uh, doing actually this one. Uh, so it run, it doesn't run the text, it runs the blocks which are squared. Um, this, this is quite useful, as they say in the documentation, to um, discard any rendering issue for text. But I found that in practice is pretty hard, like uh, as you can see on the screen now, um, and maybe for the viewer, for the listeners of the podcast, uh, you can just imagine some blocky, blocky squares everywhere. It's kind of difficult to find, uh, to make sense of what you see uh, if you don't have proper text here to work with. Um, so usually what I do is I, I use this uh, golden library. Uh, so what is it? Um, oh. Yeah, golden toolkit is called, yeah. Uh, and I have, um, yeah, screen match is golden, yeah. And then, then what happens is you have a command with flutter test here, and you, you have a command called uh, an argument called update goldens, update goldens, and then the name of the file. And what what it does is like uh, it just creates a file and or updates if needed. But when you run flutter test, normally it's just gonna crash saying that uh, the image is different. And this actually caught a few bugs on my side as well. Uh, where I was uh, just changing the padding somewhere and I didn't know it, or I've done some further upgrade um, one time, and the further upgrade messed up the messed up the padding on the top, uh, like the going on the go back, um, like go back tab bar on the top here. Yeah. He uh, it just messed up the uh, the padding. So this is pretty useful for for this year because even if the form is working, you you don't really know how it looks like. Um, so usually what I do, yeah, I do both in the same time. I do both the widget testing and, and the screen screenshot generation, uh, because otherwise if you have two files doing this, I can, I kind of find that it's, um, it's doing too much, um, repetition. Yeah. So I find it useful to just, uh, do the widget testing. So tap wherever you want, check all the widgets you want, and then do a screenshot there. Yeah? So this way you do uh, two things at once and you don't have to repeat yourself. Uh, that's usually what I do. And also in the same time, I checked what, uh, what's being saved in the database, for example, here. So after the submit, uh, I just check that all the parameters in the database are like kind of uh, what I expect here yeah? um, <clears throat> to make sure that the form is working properly. Okay. Okay. So actually, there's there is quite a lot of value. You said with this with the uh, Golden's testing, right? It's called Golden Toolkit. You can actually find uh, bugs, and you said you found a bug because it was actually a, a bug in Flutter that it was that actually caused this problem, or was it actually like you were using a buggy software before and then they yeah, fixed the bug. Yeah, I don't think it was a proper bug of Flutter, but I was using it in a buggy way. Uh, I was using my uh, my my bar in a buggy way, and then they fixed it, but it broke uh, the thing on my side. And if I didn't have this, I wouldn't have noticed straight away. Uh, whereas with this, it's just um, like the widgets what was rendered incorrectly, and so I could see it. On the widgets, uh, on the testing, I also use a fake clock here. Um, so how I've done it is I created a clock in the config, config file here, which is uh, using the quiver library. Uh, so this helps me mock the current time here. 
Um, so on the default uh, default app, yeah, it just is it, just set to uh, normal clock. But on the testing, I can uh, set it at the beginning to the clock I want uh, to a fixed clock, yeah. And this way, it just uh, removes all the um, all the time issues and make sure that um, when I save um, the file, for example, uh, I, it, and I want the current time, uh, everything works uh, works great in the testing part. So for this fixed clock, that means they never like tick. Basically, it's always stuck at this specific yeah, exactly, time, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. The shared preferences that you're mocking over here. So you have a, a line that's called shared preferences that set initial set mock initial values. Did you write this yourself, or is this something that uh, came with the shared preferences library? No, it comes with a shared preference. Uh, you can uh, just save uh, any any key value you want at the beginning of your test here, and it just uh, saves it in the in the fake uh, local data. Um, what I'm doing here is actually I save the last synchronization date with the server because um, whenever you you create a new transaction, uh, the app wants to save it to the server, so it should it should like uh, behave uh, accordingly with this value. So that is what I'm using it for. Uh, I also add a few uh, data at the beginning. I had some exchange rate and some settings to make sure that the um, the testing behaves properly. This is kind of a more yeah one of the like more complicated uh, widget testing I have here yeah, I think um, like the unit ones are usually like a bit more simple I, you just use the function uh, send the parameters you want and do expect on the other side. Um, are you actually using any um, uh, any Makito within your test too? Because it seems like you're creating a bunch of custom mock objects unless I'm wrong. Yeah, I was using, so um, I have a few mock objects here. Uh, usually what I do, I was using Mokito in the past, but the problem with uh, the new upgrade of uh, null safety yeah, in, in Dart made this uh, Mokito library pretty unusable. So I, you can still use it, but it's not as good as it was before. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm doing nowadays is, uh, uh, let me find an example somewhere. I use, I use some fake, um, yeah, I still use the Mokito library in some places, but usually all the classes in my code have some um, have on the constructor on the constructor uh, the object I want, uh, which is initialized in the normal code to a proper object. And in the test, what I do is I replace this uh, object with what I want. And it makes it uh, very useful to uh, mock the behavior of the of the class here. Let me find an example uh, somewhere. Uh, oh. So this is no, no, this is not interesting. Uh, oh, maybe he. No, I don't see. I don't see it anymore. Uh, sorry, I tried to find an example, but yeah, basically the idea is I I create a constructor uh, with uh, the right uh, the right uh, class, and then I extend in the code. Um, let me see, extend oh, this file. Yeah, exactly here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good a good candidate, I think. So uh, this is a test for adding an account. 
And uh, in order to add an account, uh, I need, for example, to check uh, here if the uh, navigation is changing uh, after you 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 create the account. So that it goes back to the list. Or I want to make sure that um, the data cache is reset. Uh, so I have some some cache of the data. Uh, what you see on the app isn't live. Um, on the menu, yeah, if you go here on the main list, yeah, and everything here isn't live because it would cost too much to run every time. So all the summary of uh, the the amount you have on each account, uh, all the, the amount of transaction, the statistics, uh, screens, uh, all of this is cached data and uh, re-rounded whenever you add a transaction or you add an account or like basically the data is modified. Um, so um, in the code, yeah, I'm using these mocks to uh, to verify that. Um, so for example, I just send it um, here. Uh, I just send it here as a as a change notifier mock, yeah. uh, and then I I just test that um, the mock is uh, um, is being called properly. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm doing here. Another example, I can add um... Yeah, so, here for example, mm, sorry. I was yeah, gonna say you're using, you're using provider, right? For, for your statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the state management is done using provider. In the past, I was just using some uh, simple change notifier, but it, came, it became kind of unusable pretty quickly. Um, Provider is working uh, like much better and is it's um, is handled for this kind of use case and it's very easy to mock as well. Uh, you can just send it in a, like you can just like list, make make one new one in your test and bind it to the to the change notifier and it just works straight away. Um, so that's pretty useful for testing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is pretty cool, but yeah, okay. You, yeah. I also saw you also use VCRs too, right? So maybe you can talk yeah, a little yeah. bit about what the VCR is. Cause I remember that from Elixir, right? And also I must, must mean everything Ruby, everything else. Maybe you can talk about what it is, why you use it and how you use it. Yeah. So for, um, for like, uh, so this is a test account, for example, uh, like, uh, what happens is like you, you usually don't want your, you don't want your external services to to tap directly on the on the live service when you do your testing. So what happens uh, what happens when you do when you do your test is that um, every request you do externally has two issues. First, it's gonna slow down your testing a lot. Um, like if uh, if your live data uh, your live service you're calling your HTTP request takes two seconds to to do. And you're doing a lot of tests. It can usually take like 20 seconds, like like cumulated of cumulated issues, cumulated uh, um, time loss. And the second issue is that like, is adding adding uh, flaky tests to the to your code base because what happens is that one day maybe the one of one of the ten services you use, uh, one of them is done for two minutes, and that's enough to just uh, throw everything out there. That's enough to just uh, uh, stop stop your test uh, to work here. So uh, yeah. So for example, here I'm using uh, a cassette. Yeah. 
for an extended service. So this, this external service is a service I'm using, like it's a kind of competitor app here. And I'm providing the service to my app users to uh, synchronize the data from the old accounts, basically. Like let's say they want to switch to this app and they had this other app, uh, they, can, they can use this service here. So what I'm doing here is I just um, uh, replace the HTTP request by uh, a file. And this file is just uh, all the data which is usually sent uh, from this service. So this cassette is just a JSON file containing all the uh, all the data you, you get back. So all the HTTP uh, headers, all the content, uh, all of this here. Uh, is basically a replacement um, for uh, an HTTP request. And then in the, in the code, I can just um, uh, use um, like a, a client um, with VCR adapter, yeah? um, which is gonna return this anytime it's being called. Yeah? Usually how I do it is um, like, let me, let me find the client. Usually how I do it is I, I add a, um, like a static uh, member uh, to the classes called a client, which is in live, in the live, um, uh, live app is, uh, is created with a real HTTP client, but in the code, I can just replace it to a fake client and it just works here. So you're going to see a lot of this code kind of everywhere uh, in my app. Yeah. Every time there's an HTTP request, uh, I use a fake client uh, and then um, I, um, I, bond, I bind it to what I want here. Yeah. That's, that's basically the, the gist of it, yeah. But when you create these cassettes, I think you have to first run the tests and then it'll actually get a real yeah. result for you, right? And then you save it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So how it works is that if the file doesn't exist, so it takes the name as a parameter, if the file doesn't exist, it creates it. Uh, and uh, if it um, like if it doesn't exist, or it creates it, and if it exists, it just takes the file and returns the content as a HTTP uh, um, request. I'm actually using, for VCR, I'm actually using my own fork of VCR, yeah, because the official one isn't null safety yet. And um, I've done a PR to the guy responsible of it, but it still hasn't merged it. <laughs> so I'm using my own fork of it uh, right now, but that's the idea. Oh, is he just too busy to reply back? It sounds like it's, yeah, it's, maybe it's, it's not abandoned, is it? Yeah, okay. Um, no, I don't think it's abandoned, but it's, uh, he's uh, kind of too busy. Um, yeah. So I'm using my own VCR uh, fork, which is uh, updated because the issue is that um, the official VCR is bound to some pretty old versions of uh, Dio. And so it made me slow down my upgrade by quite a bit. So I had to, so I had to fork it to, to do the new safety. So as soon as it's merged, um, like you can use it with a new shiny uh, DAP, but otherwise you can just use my fork in the meantime. <laughs> that's, that's the idea. Yeah, that that's definitely something I found a little bit painful recently. Like when I had to update to Flutter two a while back for a client. Yeah, yeah. It took me forever. I don't even have no safety yet because still some packages that we're using may be abandoned. I think, but in general, like um, it took forever. And some libraries are using shared 
dependencies and some are using older ones, some are using newer versions. So I try to find versions that try to satisfy everything. It's really painful, I think, to update your app all at once. Yeah, I have the same issues. Um, I'm actually not on null safety yet um, because I have still have a few libraries. Um, I've um, I've fought the biggest offenders, um, but like he or he, uh, or even this uh, flush boy. Uh, I've fought this one as well because we, like um, even not talking about the the new, new null safety feature. Uh, one of the main issues of some older libraries is that they prevent you to upgrade pretty hard. And at some point you just stuck it. Like if you, if you, if it requires a, like, um, a version, like in this case, for example, it required a version too old of Dio, but another library I had was requiring a, a new one. So it made kind of a conflict, uh, an unsolvable conflict. And I had to do something else. So this is my, the option I took. I just uh, kind of forked the library and made the changes myself. Yeah. But any any project big enough uh, has these issues at some point, and old enough has these issues for sure. Uh, that's the the main problem. Yeah, it kind of made me think about. Um, I was just listening to a recent podcast episode of Flutter One Hundred and One, uh, and one of the guys on there, I think he created Alfred, and he was talking about like. You know, as few dependencies as possible are in Alfred, just for that reason, right? You don't want like one package you're dependent upon, which kind of drags everything behind. So it's better just to keep everything you can inside of one package. Otherwise, like, yeah, what we're talking about is that the guy may abandon it or, yeah, he's got different version than everybody else. And that's really the most painful part, I think. Yeah, it's a pretty big problem. Uh, in the case of VCR, it's not that big of an issue because the library is pretty small, so it didn't take me too long to upgrade to, to more modern standards. But um, yeah, if you're depending on some pretty big library, that, that can be an issue, yeah. Uh, that can be pretty painful and that can drag you down in the future. Um, I really don't know whenever I, I could uh, migrate to new safety. Uh, this this will be uh, like uh, some pretty big um, problem on my side, I think. Um, even talking about the whole code itself, like uh, there's a lot of files and a lot of things to change to migrate to new safety. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a big um, big project uh, in itself. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's such thing as unsound null safety, right? So I actually haven't yeah, heard anybody yeah. ever talk about unsound null safety. Everybody's talking about sound null safety whenever they say null safety. So I'm curious if anybody has actually tried to upgrade their app and using unsound null safety. Oh yeah, yeah that's what I'm using now. Yeah. Um, so the default, if you're using a new, uh, how it works for new safety is you, in the pubspec pub file yeah, on the top, you have the SDK uh, you can install. And I think 11 is the latest one you can put yet before null safety is mandatory. Um, like uh, maybe people are gonna correct me if I'm wrong, but in my memory, that's it. Uh, so if you put 2.11.0, uh, you're still fine. But if you put 2.12.0, uh, it's null safety mandatory. And so how it works on 11 is that uh, you have uh, like the unsound null safety, which is basically uh, another way to say how it worked before. <laughs> so um, that's what I have now. And then you, they have they made some pretty handy tool uh, which has a, a web browser, uh, like a opening the web browser and and showing all your files, and it applied patches to your uh, to your code everywhere where it thinks uh, things should change or not. Yeah. 
uh, if you have all the packages um, available for it. Yeah. That's how it works, yeah. And then you can add comments, or you can also do it step by step. Uh, for example, uh, when I start, I, I was just running the tool by curiosity, so I haven't migrated every, anything, but uh, there's, been, there's a comment somewhere. Um, where is it? Um, is it in database? Um, let me find let me find the right place for it here. Yeah. Uh, they have a comment you can put on your functions that um, that works as a, as a way to say this will be mandatory null safety. Yeah. Um, Is get database or I can't remember now. <laughs> I forgot everything. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, sh I should find it again. But yeah, they add. Um, so you can also do it step by step. They they add they add comments on your functions. Yeah. So you have a like an exclamation mark to say uh, this return is not should be not nullable. Yeah. Uh, and this this uh, helps shape the other parts of the code that uh, the migration tool uh, works on. Yeah. Uh, that's how it works on them. <clears throat> yeah, because I'm thinking there must be a way that you could just add null safety, but have it unsound if some packages are not quite ready yet. But seems yeah, like that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you do have something that's so you do have unsound null safety, because I don't see anything in your code base that makes me feel like it's unsound or like it's null safety, right? Because usually you have to add bangs here and there if it's going to be nullable, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, when you run it, it just it does say, or maybe I have it run on the on here somewhere. Uh, when you run it, he it just say, yeah, running with unsound null safety. Um, and to run with sound null safety, you have to have a you need to use dot dot migrate, I think it's called uh, the dot migrate tool, uh, and then add uh, two point twelve uh, in the pub spec file to notify that uh, because the newest uh, SDK of Flutter are uh like using uh null safety by default yeah. that, that's that's how it works yeah. yeah i'm looking forward to that i can do that someday yeah, yeah okay that's... i think mm, go yeah, ahead sorry second yeah go ahead <laughs> no no if you had something to say otherwise i was going to say we can start to show off uh your other automation that you have i think oh yeah, yeah no we, we can testing. we can go ahead and uh, show off your aut other automated stuff yeah um so um so this is this is the testing part here so I've I've put a lot of effort into this but there's also a lot of a uh, uh, kind of automation I've been uh, working on uh, to automate the boring part of the of the app so I support a lot of languages um, so here I have local files like uh, French Spanish English Portuguese Russian Vietnamese and lo there's lots of them German. And uh, this, this makes a pain to maintain the uh, Play Store page because every time you change something in the app, uh, even one screen, you have to update the capture for each language. And each language has uh, five screenshots or six, I think. Is it five or six? Maybe six. And so it's six times the number of languages. Um, and you have to update all the descriptions on it. You have to update all the everything. It, it takes forever to do. So um, if you're supporting maybe one language, that, that's that's fine. But it, as soon as you start to support multiple languages, that's just too much pain to deal with. 
So half done it is a uh, uh, I've automated the whole process. Like the whole, everything is automated, like completely from start to finish. So I have some I have some um, oh, some store uh, title description and everything for I want for the screenshots. So each screenshot has a title and a description. Um, and I have three steps. So first step, I generate the, the, the capture, um, like a screenshot of, the, of each page I want to have in my uh, store page, yeah. each um, screen of the app. Then I have a second step, which takes this raw screen, so just the, just the screenshot, is like a phone screenshot, and makes it nicer. Uh, into uh, what uh, what you really see on the store page, uh, on the Play Store page, and then the last step is sending all of these to the Play Store with the Play Store API. Uh, because uh, if you do this manually, this also takes forever because you have to go each page by each page and delete one by one the the, the screenshots and then re-upload the other ones. Uh, but times the number of languages. Yeah. So um, I have I have here a special driver which is called screenshot, uh, which is uh, the interesting uh, interesting part here. So this uh, this driver uh, is what's responsible for creating uh, screenshots. Um, so what it does, it just it uh, downloads um, like a stub database uh, on the app here. Uh, goes uh, each screen by each screen, taps into the account, takes a screenshot, types into the settings, takes uh, takes a screenshot, taps into the, uh, the statistics, takes a screenshot. So this creates a lot of screenshots for each each language and also each uh, currency. Because I also have currencies associated to languages. I can show you um, some example of that, uh, of all these uh, screenshots um, on the first step. So they, they generated here, yeah. So this is, for example, um, like a screenshot generated for the profile in German and in Euro. And this is, for example, here, the same same page, but in English. Uh, so I'm generating one screenshot in, G in English, one screenshot in German. And you can notice I also change uh, the default uh, bank name. So in German, it's called uh, Bankkonto. Uh, can't pronounce this. And in English, it's just called bank account. Um, so this is what I'm doing to make it more uh, localized here. Uh, and each language have their own currencies. So for example, for Russian, I'm generating the ruble version uh, of the app. So using uh, ruble as the default currency, but I'm also gener generating one in euros in case people are browsing the website from European country. Uh, because you have also a significant mi minority of Russian living, uh, Russian speaking uh, people living uh, on the European Union, so they want also to see the page in in Euro and not in Ruble. Um, so this is what I'm doing here. So this is the first step. Yeah. 
the first step of the capture screen is to uh, generate this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run it straight away so we can we can see it in action. <laughs> yeah. So what libraries are you actually using for that? It looks like you're using Flutter Driver, which I think is actually part of Flutter itself. Or am I wrong? Yeah. Um, so in the past, I was using a, a package called Screenshots, uh, which is which was made for this purpose. But the issue is that it's not maintained anymore. Uh, so I'm not relying directly on the fl Flutter driver uh, to do this. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, let me open. Really? So I'm looking at. I do see one called Screenshot, but that's not. Maybe that's not the same one. No, it's screenshots it's with an S. Yeah. Screenshot. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And this one has been not updated since 2019 or something. Um, yeah, I see that. And this was a big issue uh, for me uh, because of this, yeah. So. So did you actually just crack um, open this 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 uh, this this plugin and then just crack open this library and then start like seeing how it works and then writing your own? Say hi. What you yeah, did? yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, um, like in the driver, uh, in the screenshot driver, uh, you have um, like. Um, where is it? Uh, yeah, I've just replaced basically the screenshot command by this, um, like the package. Um, you can in the Flutter driver you can ha you can use screenshots. Yeah, uh, even if the Flutter documentation says they it might not work properly, he actually it works fine uh, in my use case. Um, and then you can just write the file directly. So you don't need to use an external library to generate screenshots. Uh, you can just use the uh, default uh, Flutter driver to do this. So I'm going to run it. Run it as a demo. Yeah, too bad there's not a way to put this uh, directly, so I don't, <laughs> I can click, but yeah. Um, so what it does at the beginning, yeah, so it boots the emulator. I've, I specifically chosen uh, this pixel free because the size is all right uh, for the screenshots. I'm not using the same uh, device as I'm debugging normally uh, because this one looks better on the screenshots. Yeah. So that's why I'm using it. Um, and at the beginning, when the app boots, it just downloads a database, uh, like a stub database, and this database is used for the screenshots. Um, then uh, the, there's a lot of like small commands, like setting up the time, for example, because this database isn't updated. I also need to set up the current time so that the statistics screen look okay, uh, even if it's in 2019. Um, that's it, yeah. So oh, it's gonna start soon. Yeah. So the app just boots, yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah, so that's what it does, yeah. It set up the clock. It disables the animations, the flare animations, because I'm using flare yeah, as well. Um, and... Um, is that, um, maybe that's the demo effect. Is that, is that, why is that not working? 
That's kind of a demo effect. It man didn't manage to download the database. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm disabling Flare uh, because Flare is what uh, is what I'm using for the animation. And obviously, you don't want uh, any animation to show up on your screenshot because the screenshot might look weird um, depending on the time you you, you have done the the, um, the screenshot. Uh, also, Flare, we, we could do another subject on this as well, small subject, but Flare is an amazing piece of technology as well. Um, and then, so I'm downloading the database and then I'm, I'm uh, clicking up on each screen uh, step by step, uh, waiting waiting between each, uh, each screen and taking the screenshot and saving the file every time. And I'm doing this for each local and each uh, currency, and all these local and currency are in the config file of the project. Uh, ah, yeah, it's working now. Yeah, it was the demo effect. <laughs> so this is the app in French, for example, uh, and it's gonna wait a little bit at the beginning uh, to make sure everything is set up, take a screenshot, uh, and then move on. Uh, oh, is that working? Yeah, exactly. So now it's switching to English. Uh, it's uh, going to the transaction. Uh, it's saving uh, saving a file. You can see save, test, capture, uh, transaction, English, uh, like um, pipe euro. Uh, I'm using the pipe as a delimiter for the currency uh, in the file name. Uh, then it does the same thing in Russian. Um, and um, it takes about, so we, we're not going to run everything <laughs> because it's very slow, but it takes about like a 15 to 20 minutes to generate all the screenshots. So he's Vietnamese um, and uh, then he's back to German. Uh, so it does all, all the different captures here. So do you actually have a CI server that runs all this or you just kind of set this in the morning and then go get your coffee and come back and then submit to the app store or how do you usually do No, this? I don't I'm not using any any remote stuff for this. I'm I'm doing it myself because like usually the screens they don't change every they don't change every release uh because so, uh, you have also a lot of things people they cannot see in your app um or they can see but they are not uh showing up on the Play Store page as well. So I'm only doing this when I when I have significant changes on the interface, um, and so this is usually done every month or so uh, when I have a, a like a lot of um, changes in the interface. And yeah, I don't really I have not seen the need to fully automate this here. Uh, it's good as it is now. It takes twenty minutes, and I don't need to run it uh, every day. So that that's kind of okay, I think. That's a good compromise for me. Yeah, I think for and most also, of the apps I work on, we never actually update the screenshots ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm like, maybe I'm kind of uh, like uncommon in the in the apps uh, because no, normally people they don't bother to set up something like this. Um, also, I don't know if people noticed um, for people uh, uh, who are seeing this uh, uh, live, but uh, there's um, the currency changing on the bottom every time. Yeah. So on the bottom of the uh, on the bottom of the uh, the app, uh, the current currency is um, is um, where you tap to get the account. Yeah. So every time you change the currency, it's changing this as well. Yeah. So um, all of this, I'm doing it for. So in the config file, uh, there's uh, all these supported languages. 
uh, service. I can also add a new language if I want here. And then uh, for each language, um, there's uh, Euro by default. Yeah. Uh, so I've put a default, so I don't need to, to put it again. And then I also have additional screenshots to uh, to do if I want to. So I can generate English and rubles, uh, Russian and rubles, or I can have like, like some odd combination here if I want to. So the driver reads this and uh, loops through all of them, yeah. That's why it works here. Uh, we can also have a look at the code of the driver. Um, so you have two parts on the driver. You have um, the test part, which is not running. So how it works in Flutter is that it's not running in the main, uh, in the same place as the other file is running. So this file just runs on your computer. But uh, underscore screenshot underscore test dot dot runs on your computer and the screenshot dot dot runs on the device itself. So you need a communication uh, channel between the two uh, because you're not you're not on the same place here. It looks kind of a similar code, but it's not it's not doing the same way. Um, so you have a communication message with Flutter driver extension, uh, and you receive messages uh, from the test, which is why it's called a that's why it's called a driver uh, in the Flutter language is because it's it's actually kind of a like Selenium kind of driver. Um, that's the way it works here. Yeah. Uh, so you send you send uh, messages. So for example, here I request uh, data back to accounts to the app and the app say, sees, uh, oh, I need to go back to account. And then I uh, push uh, the current uh, navigation to the accounts page. So it means I'm, I'm back to the accounts. Yeah. Um, so this is for all of this here. So this is the demo DB I download uh, at the beginning. Um, and there's a lot of like uh, small messages here yeah, to um, to communicate between uh, both. Here. And here yeah, okay. I have a fixed clock as well. Uh, I'm using a fixed clock of, of, of 2019, so that the statistics screen. Uh, I don't know if it's going to the statistics yet. Not not right, not yet, but to the statistics screen to look as good even if you if it's not uh, like a few years later and the, uh, you want the same page to show up. Yeah. Why did you choose that specific date and time? Uh, because I've made this database at that time and so I don't want to ever update the test database. Uh, because it's just um, like um, not very really useful work. This test database has a lot of transactions from 2019 when I created it. And I want all the screens to look the same, even if um, they, it's not the same date anymore. At some point I realized that uh, the months were not looking the same <laughs> when you look at the both the accounts page and the statistic page. And so I've changed the current time to uh, to the to the time I have uh, created the the database, so everything looks still the same as it was before. Okay, makes sense. Mm, and also here is um is is a piece of code I'm using to every time you change the language. Uh, I don't know if you've seen here. Like, um, yeah, it's like I talked about last time. So for example, in English it's called bank account. 
uh, what language is this? Uh, Portuguese. It's called Conta Bancaria. Uh, and you want to you want your user to see this to want to see you want them to see something which looks familiar even on the account name. Yeah. So I have a bunch of um, hard-coded raw query, yeah. We just change the name on the on the account, yeah. Uh, so these these IDs are the database IDs. Uh, these random um, IDs uh, are just the database IDs I have uh, in my uh, fake database. Yeah, I figured that. That's what it looks like to me because they're all hard coded. Yeah, it's hard coded because it's a test. It's a demo database, so. That's kind of hard coded. Um, and also I disable the sync service here because my sync synchronized service to synchronize the transactions and everything has some uh, annoying side effect because on the top it, it has a, a small loader every time something changed, you know, to synchronize everything. So I don't want this to show up on the screenshots. So I just dis disable the, the synchronized service. That makes sense. Okay, this is this is pretty cool. Um, so we went through your automated testing. We went through your your how you create the screenshots. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I I would love to ask for more things. I'm sure you have even more, but I think we're approaching the end of our time. To be honest, already. Yeah, sorry. Because yeah, yeah. So I'm going to do it uh, very quick. Yeah. So this is the first step. Yeah, and the second step is taking this. Uh, and transforming it into something which looks like uh, where is it my tool? Um, yeah, he into like this. So this is this is something like that you see on the Play Store. Uh, yeah, how it works really cool. is like yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It takes the screenshot uh, generated just before. Uh, and creates uh, like uh, put it put it into an HTML page uh, and takes a screenshot of this page with a property. Yeah. So this is on Node.js. Yeah. Um, so if you see each each screenshot has an HTML page uh, representing uh, everything I want here, and it has the screen.png yeah, that here I replace uh, and. This is uh, creating something like this. So you have a profile in German, profile in English, with every time you have the proper proper screen in the middle, yeah. Uh, accounts, uh, homepage, homepage in, uh, in German, homepage, homepage in French. Uh, and I haven't generated um, like all of them yet, but uh, we could do it <laughs> if we need it. Um, so I'm doing this quicker. And then you have uh, the third, uh, third step, which is uploading the screenshots. Uh, and you have a piece of code here, which is using the Google Play Store API and takes this thing uh, we've seen before. Uh, no, 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 sorry. Uh, the nice one you've, we've seen before, the nice uh, screenshot, and uploads it to the Play Store along with the description, the title, and everything which are in the language file. So this is all the Play Store uh, logic. Yeah. And you wrote this in TypeScript, right? I was actually pretty surprised you're not using Dart, right? Or you can actually use Dart directly within Node. Um, yeah, you could use Dart, but uh, I'm not sure Google has the uh, Google API made in Dart yet, or has it? Um, what makes sense if they uh, did? I'm surprised if they don't. Yeah, <laughs> but that's Google, you know, it's a big company, so like uh, one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing. 
Um, so yeah, uh, the, I've, I think I've used this, I've used Node because the, uh, uh, the API were pretty convenient. And also for generating the screenshots, I've used uh, Node also because you have Puppety and Puppety is very convenient to generate screenshots. Um, and also these what, tools don't worry. Really... Sorry, what's the name of uh, the library you said? Puppety, it's called Puppety. Uh, Property, P-R-O-P-E-R-T-Y. No. Lucky Puppety. A puppeteer, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this uh, this tool is what I use. It's like basically Chrome handed. Uh, so this this is what I use to to um, uh, to load the HTML page and screenshot <laughs> every time. So it, what what it does is like it loads the page, screenshot, loads another image, screenshot, and that's what it does. Yeah. Um, so like a Selenium driver, basically, it seems. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's selling your driver with a nicer API. Uh, <laughs> that's why it is, yeah. And yeah, and then after that, uh, these uh, very nice uh, very nice Play Store screenshots are directly uploaded to the Play Store with the API, yeah. So it just uh, sends everything. So how do you make those things stick out though? So I, I think we talked a little bit about this last time, which is how you actually put the phone around it. But uh, how do you actually make the things pop out? Oh, sorry, you said you did that uh, you, you yes, so it's made in actually... CSS, yeah. Uh, I've hard-coded, mm. so yeah, like um, this is something which I might improve in the future, but uh, the HTML which is which is um, using this isn't isn't the best HTML in the world. Uh, so it's like a bunch of um, like hard-coded divs, yeah. And uh, how it works is like it just uh, use the same image uh, and put it on the put it on the on the top div yeah. uh, so when you see a screenshot with uh, the pop-out image it's actually multiple divs yeah. there's one div for the pop-out image one other div for the other pop-out image and then one div for the bottom yeah. and uh, and so I've, uh, I've asked a designer for these ones and then I converted uh, manually to HTML yeah. uh, all of this to, to have an automated version of it uh, because it, it didn't exist yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, this is really really cool. Uh, I really love this stuff. And you said that you're you haven't actually like open sourced or, or wrote about or documented this out loud for people, right? No, not really. I've talked about it a bit, but I haven't open sourced it uh, because the first issue is that um, some of the things are not uh, are only useful to me. You know, are tailored to my uh, needs. Um, I don't have a way to have templates uh, where people can uh, can just uh, create their own their own uh, kind of templates, and I don't have a way to uh, unhandle all the kind of uh, localized files for the Play Store descriptions and this this kind of things. Yeah. It's it's kind of pretty tailored to my uh, my use case. Um, I could open source it, but I'm not sure how useful is that gonna be for other people to uh, to use for the projects. Um, uh, well, I think do. that if you just document how you do certain things and, and would maybe show, uh, you know, like release some of the code that you wrote, then I think people can probably figure out, you know, how can they make it work for them, right? Like I said, uh, I think how you generate all this is very useful. I haven't seen anybody doing something like this before. Um, so I may steal, I'm, I'm sorry, but I may just directly steal some, some of what you did because it's really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. People yeah. haven't, yeah, people generally don't bother to go as far as this. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, 
for to be honest, like, cause uh, like I said, all my clients, they all want something like this. And right now we're doing it all by hand. And I think some of them may be interested in, you know, in for us to create something like this. So in the future, they don't have to do anything, right? They could just say, hey, you know, it looks like we did a complete app refresh. Can you please uh, upload new screenshots with this new build? Okay, no problem. It may be worth it. Some people change their apps quite a lot, especially rebranding, right? Rebranding your whole entire app. I, one of my clients, they actually just rebranded everything, the logo and the app and everything. So it, it happens, right? Once, once Every once in a while. So yeah, I that's think, pretty great yeah. for that. I also used, mm. uh, I also done this actually because I've done a redesign of some of the pages, especially statistics and uh, home, and I had to redo all the screenshots. And um, now, uh, when I want to redo all the screenshots, I just launch the Flutter driver to take screenshots. I go grab a coffee twenty minutes after <laughs> everything's done. I just um, generate uh, all these ones, which takes about five minutes to generate uh, all the nice ones here. Then the upload takes about five minutes in itself, in itself as well. And uh, like in kind of half an hour, uh, everything is now live again and uh, everything's um, updated. Yeah, which is amazing if you compare to everything you do manually. It's just you cannot compare the, the speed. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only thing that you're missing now is actually, I guess you don't have this app on the iOS store, so that would be one other thing to add in, just the iOS one. Yeah, and that's pretty annoying in itself because iOS has different constraints. Uh, so uh, first it has, uh, you need a pixel perfect um, size of the image. You have here, it, I don't remember the size it accepts, but um, what you see now is designed for iOS. I had to redesign it once. Uh, because uh, the one I had before wasn't was just uh, working. Uh, they don't accept any kind of image like the Play Store. Uh, do. The Play Store just resize whatever you give to it, whereas the App Store just says, I want this size, and that's it. Um, and the second problem is that uh, the Play Store has a lot of APIs, and the App Store doesn't, <laughs> or doesn't have as much yet. So I might uh, have um, like a, a file to open uh, the App Store myself and like automate the browsing to click everywhere. I don't know how, how I'm going to do this, but that's that's what I want to do. Because it's just too slow. I can't do this manually. It's just too long. Uh, there's no way. Um, like uh, doing this for like uh, six or seven languages, I don't remember how many I have. It's just too much work. It's just too long. So yeah, I, I see that. And I and I do remember you have to have like one or two like uh, iOS, like uh, iPad screenshots too, which is also a little bit annoying. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, I don't support any tablets at the moment because uh, first the interface is not, uh, is not tablet uh, oriented yet. Uh, like for example, on the tablet, I might want to have the bank account in on the left side and then the transaction on the right side. And so this is not uh, supported at the moment. And I think I will support it at the same time as desktop uh, because it's kind of the same issue for desktop. Currently the app runs on desktop, like runs with like big quotes on runs, but um, you can't use, you can't use, um, you can't reuse it. It's not, it's not made for a desktop. Uh, for to use an app on a desktop, you need a desktop UI and this is uh, something you need to adapt as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, really, thank you so much for taking all the time to to show everything. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry if I if you won't be able to talk for the rest of the day because you spent a lot of time describing everything that you've done. Uh, I really appreciate it. I think all people will definitely get some 
ideas and great advice from this one. So I really appreciate uh, you kind of walking through all the kind of uh, hard work you've done and sharing what you've done. And, and, and also, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, your app is super attractive, right? I, I love it. Um, so um, is there any shout outs or anything else you want to say before we kind of sign off for the uh, for this episode? Not really. Uh, please download the app and uh, put some five star. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about shameless plugs. We're all about shameless plugs, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> please download the app called Mavio and put some five star. I would be happy. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, thank you for coming by. We may ask you to come back again. Let's uh, let's see what happens, right? Um, yeah, we can I talk on another it. subject next time. Yeah, I think maybe no safety is a good one to talk about uh, because it is a uh, pain, but I think there's a lot of benefits. Um, so, but just need to get through all this mess. Okay, so again, thank you for coming by and uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Thanks. See you. <laughs>